Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to be in episode 14 of the days of Noah with Martin Dahan. And we are going to be talking about Bible astronauts. Let's get to it. We promised to beat Russia in the race in the space and we'll put a man on the moon by 1970. This was the unconditional promise made this past year by those who are supposed to be in a position to know. And now man even talks about going to the outer reaches of space in his ambition to conquer the universe. Truly, this is the space age. Did Jesus have this in mind when he said, For as in the days that were before the flood, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be? Matthew 24, 38 and 39. It was in the days before the flood that the first spaceman made an interplanetary trip which makes the 20th century attempts to reach the moon seem like a child sending up toy balloons. The first astronaut made a trip to the outer reaches of space over 4,000 years ago. His name was Enoch, and he made the trip from Earth to heaven without rocket or booster and without incident. The record in Genesis says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 5.24 The writer of Hebrews explains this remarkable trip by telling us, By faith Enoch was translated, or raptured, that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. Hebrews 11.5 I do declare that I cannot get very excited about man's present attempts to reach the moon. Why is it that we become so occupied with this projected trip when the translation of Enoch 4,000 years ago is a thousand times, yes, a million times more wonderful and exciting? I get a thousandfold greater thrill out of reading about this first spaceman than hearing of man's experimentation to reach the moon. Is the interest of Christians in space exploration due to our disbelief of the Bible record concerning the first astronaut, Enoch? May I ask you, do you believe that one day while Enoch was walking and talking with God, he was suddenly lifted up from the earth and in a moment made the journey to the outer reaches of this universe and went bodily into heaven? Yes, I mean bodily, for he did not die. There was no separation of soul and body, which is death, but Enoch was raptured in a moment. I repeat, I am far more thrilled by this journey of the first spaceman than by the questionable experiments of today with their uncertainties, astronomical expense, and undeniable dangers. But space travel was not limited to this one man, Enoch, for there is another thrilling account of an interplanetary journey recorded in 2 Kings 2. The whirlwind prophet Elijah had crossed Jordan with Elisha, his student and successor, while 50 eyewitnesses were to view the launching of the astronaut Elijah. The record of the launching is brief but definite. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, Second Kings 2.11. The whirlwind for a rocket. The prophet did not go to heaven in a chariot of fire, as is generally believed, but he went up in a tornado. How fitting a departure for the prophet who came on the scene like a tornado, 1 Kings 17.1, and whose entire ministry was like a stormy whirlwind. To me, at least this interplanetary trip in a heaven-sent tornado somehow leaves me quite indifferent to man's feeble attempts to explore the far reaches of space. Why is it that believers can read this account of Elijah's translation and remain so unmoved and unimpressed while getting all hot and bothered by man's petty program, which is silly child's play by comparison? 
there's still another account of a most wonderful space journey, which leaves me overcome with wonder and joy. The account is given in such simple language that we are likely to overlook the inexpressible significance of the event. Dr. Luke, the scientist, gives us the account. Jesus had given final instructions to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and then it happened. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Luke twenty four fifty one. In the book of Acts, Dr. Luke repeats the record with added details. Jesus had given final instructions to his own, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Acts 1.9 No fire, no smoke, no tornado, no roar of booster or propellant, no rockets. But quietly, silently, and swiftly, he soared into space beyond the clouds and the stars to his father's house to prepare for us the many mansions. Don't you agree with me that this is far more wonderful far more thrilling and exciting than anything in the space program for, of today. Yet men pay but little attention to the authentic Bible records of space travel. Suppose we do put a man on the moon. Are we sure he can come back to report his safe landing? What frustration would result if a man should reach the moon and couldn't come back? But in the case of Jesus, we not only are assured of his safe arrival, but also of his sure return. Soon after he had ascended, while the disciples were still looking at the cloud, he sent word back, I have arrived safely. But also, he sent two men from heaven to tell of the safe arrival of the Savior in heaven. Dr. Luke says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven, Acts 1, 10, and 11. A trip to the moon to be successful must be round trip, and this poses a double problem. First, how to get there, and that still is a problem, and then how to get back, which is still a greater problem. But not so with the interplanetary trip successfully achieved from the launching pad of the Mount of Olives over 1,900 years ago. Not only did Jesus promise to make the return trip, but he proved it by sending two men from heaven to earth at the same time he made the trip from earth to heaven. They must have passed each other on the way somewhere in space, Jesus going to and the two men coming from heaven. The most spectacular, however, of all interplanetary journeys is yet to come. In these past examples, Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus, only single individuals were involved. Jesus promised a mass launching of millions of astronauts in one great cloud. He said just before he went away, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John fourteen one through 3 Can you visualize that dramatic event when Jesus shall come back to call all the believers in one great company to meet him in the air? That is what Jesus referred to when he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Later he gave us the details when through the Holy Spirit he caused Paul to write. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. 
not just a single man strapped in a capsule with a maze of gadgets and instruments, levers, switches, dials, and recorders, but a great company, free from the limitations of our mortal bodies, with spiritual immortal bodies suddenly rising into the air in a vast cloud of billions of the redeemed making the journey to meet the Lord to be brought to his house of many mansions. This is the most certain event of the future. To emphasize the absolute certainty of this glorious event, the last word our ascended Lord has left us with is the closing promise of the Bible. He which testifieth these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. This is followed by the last prayer in the Bible. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Revelation 22.20 Of this rapture of the church, Enoch the first spaceman becomes an unmistakable type. In the following chapters, we shall study in greater detail the Bible record of this first astronaut, Enoch. But before we close this message, we must go back once more to answer the question of Jesus to the disciples' question. Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world age. Matthew 24, 3. In answering this petition, Jesus gathers up the signs of his return by calling attention to the days before the flood. These days we have seen before are described in three brief chapters, Genesis 4, 5, and 6. And it is the fifth chapter that we have the account of the first space traveler. Since Jesus reminds us that the days of Noah will be repeated just before his return, we make bold to say that the amazing activity in the field of space travel becomes an unmistakable sign of the last days, to which Jesus referred when he said, As it was, so shall it be. Just before the flood, we have the first mention of the penetration of outer space by man, and today the days are being repeated. The chief interest of the Christian is not, therefore, when will man reach the moon, but when will Jesus come to fulfill his promise? I will come again and take you unto myself. We believe in the countdown, for that event is approaching zero, and soon we shall hear the signal to fire and his voice saying, Come up hither! One cannot possibly imagine the thrill, much less describe it, of being suddenly transformed and made free by the restraints of the earthly limitations and in perfect, fully redeemed, deathless, painless, sinless bodies rising to meet our Savior in the air. And talk about speed. Men marvel at the speed of our satellites at 18,000 miles per hour, and we cannot comprehend the speed of light. But this will all be slow motion compared to the speed in which we shall rise to meet our Lord. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one and 52. Suddenly, as our material bodies are changed into our spiritual bodies, the power of the gravity of this earth will no longer hold us, and the mighty magnet above, our Lord Jesus, will attract us to himself, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where is your greatest interest today, my Christian friend? in the achievements of man in space, or the blessed hope of our Lord's imminent return. Remember the days of Noah were characterized by a man in space. So shall it also be at the coming of the Son of Man. How far man will progress in his dreams of space travel, we do not know. But one thing we do know, the greatest mass migration of all ages is drawing nigh. When Jesus gives a signal for our dramatic departure, will you be among the chosen ones to make the trip? It is the most important question. Well, hey, guys, I hope that that has helped you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And truly, man, if you're going to make that trip to heaven, you have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the only way Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
I pray one day that you make that decision. And if you already have, I pray that you are diligently seeking others out to share that special, special hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hey, guys, until next week, God bless.